the Paranet Podcast, a Dresden Files book club. Welcome to the Paranet Podcast with your hosts, Patrick Lunn and... Rob Davis. Today we are talking about uh, the new Dresden Files release, Peace Talks, uh, as well as um, the next couple of chapters in our Full Moon uh, book review analysis, all those shizzles. Um, but yeah, first uh, to our para-networking section and peace talks. Uh, so there's loads of great stuff going on uh, around the release of the book. Uh, I'll just run through a little bit of that and then we'll get to talking about, spoiler-free, uh, our experiences with the book and stuff. Uh, I have finished it. Rob is in the last, uh, like, uh two three chapters of the book yeah i i'm three chapters off the end i had to stop reading it so i could read full moon for this episode so <laughs> i'm angry so so really it's it's all of the uh the fans fault for wanting more parent podcast if anything uh yeah definitely yeah uh <laughs> so um on jim butcher's site uh this uh week we've got uh the big launch uh where jim did like a virtual q a uh worth uh worth a watch really good stuff um he's also doing a few um different events uh free events on like facebook live and comic-con international where he's being interviewed by uh his kind of um usual cast of people like priscilla spencer uh, and uh, Patrick Rothus, uh, definitely, definitely worth checking out if you've got some time. There's also some other, uh, as Jim puts it, other niftiness, um, including uh, various peace talks, um, bingo cards, uh, some deals on some of the other Dresden Files books, uh, and some really nice art of uh, the extended Dresden Files cast. Um on top of that, uh, there's been some great stuff from Daniel Green uh, on his YouTube channel. Um, if you haven't checked that out, um, he is uh, quite a well-renowned uh, uh, fantasy sci-fi book reviewer now. Uh, and uh, he's really developed uh, a focus on the Dresden Files in the last couple of months. Uh, he's done two uh, videos. Uh, one is a... Uh, review and kind of run through of all the Dresden Files side stories from both side jobs and briefcases. Um, that's definitely worth checking out. Um, and a lot of stuff from those stories uh, shows up in Peace Talks, more in this little sides and uh, details that you will notice if you've read them and probably just gloss over if you haven't. Uh, but definitely worth worth checking out. Uh, and then the other video that Daniel Green's done is a spoiler-free review of Peace Talks, but then a spoiler uh, discussion section just for the last minute. Um, and and that's definitely worth checking out as well. Uh, there's several other booktubers of uh, one type or another that have done Peace Talks reviews uh, or more Dresden Files coverage. Uh, they seem to be uh, all kind of uh, popping up around uh, this new book coming out, which makes sense because it's been whew, about five uh, years or so since uh, the last book. So now is definitely the time to get Dresden content out there. <clears throat> Not like we're doing it or anything. Um, so uh, that's um, 
pretty much what's going on in the world of Dresden Files. Uh, and now we're going to waffle about peace talks for a solid ooh, 15 minutes, I reckon. Um, so, Rob, how did you find peace talks? Yeah, I mean, like we said at the start, I'm f- about three chapters off finishing it, um, thanks to this podcast, um, which I love doing, I might add. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm so far I'm enjoying it. It's been very, very similar to Skin Game. I feel in like how in in, in terms of pacing, at no point to me anyway does it feel like it's really lagging or like going on for as long longer than it should mm-hmm. um and we get some i don't know I, I feel like some of the stuff that i've been waiting for since i think the end of changes has finally like happened uh like a bit more interaction with the white council um <laughs> i think that was most of my list of uh stuff i wanted to see since harry's become working for mab and all that kind of stuff yeah um how about you uh i have i very much enjoyed peace talks um it is a book with very little chill um it's basically constant scene after scene of some interaction that i think uh long-time dresden fans will enjoy uh whether it's between dresden and his allies or uh, his enemies or his family um, does a lot of interpersonal dynamics uh, and melodrama that um, I think Jim Butcher is is pretty gifted at, uh, at dealing with. Um, for me, after five years of waiting, I think uh, I think it was definitely worth the wait. Um, this is a solid book and is definitely Jim Butcher at his best. Um, pulling in all the references and expanded Dresden universe. Uh, it feels it feels like watching something like The Avengers where it's pulling together all those films and such. Like um, There's some great moments here where um, in the uh, titular peace talks, uh, we see many of the uh, luminaries of the magical world gathered together for the first time and having to interact with one another. Um, and of course, that's incredible uh, and something that um, we've always wanted to see. I would also say that one of the uh, the highlights for me of, of the whole book, even though he's only in it for maybe a couple of pages maximum is Marcone. Yeah. Um he there is a there is a point where um the wider magical world are trying to work out how to respond to the events of peace talks and um it is Marcone who basically pulls them together i guess and holds his nerve yeah it's it's quite interesting with marcone because especially at this point i mean him and harry have had quite a long uh relationship i suppose yeah and i i find it weird that 
it was my issue with I say issue. I guess Stormfront is it's uh, definitely expected, but he's always like, oh, Marcone, I can't stand that guy. What a, what a, what a jackass! Yeah, and he, he does it. Like, it annoys me that even at this point, like he's like, oh, Mar- Marcone's hosting the meeting. What a what a what a what a dumbass. Jeez, who does he think he is? Ugh. And it's like, I don't see what he's. Like, I get that he's meant to be like a seasoned, hardened criminal, but. It feels like we've most of what we've seen from Marcone, he's not really done anything that bad. He I mean, he's playing it for profit. I guess he's more a capitalist than a criminal, really. Uh yeah. He tries to turn the magical world into profit, but I don't think like he's not I mean, he has in the he, he has in the past ordered hits and stuff, but he definitely hasn't in recent books, he's been a lot more, I don't know, upstanding, I guess, as he's been dealing with the magical world. Yeah. I just feel that Harry's I, yeah, a bit attitude towards him is just very... a bit unjustified and a bit over the top, given given the, the like that they've worked together on quite a few occasions now as well. I guess that their personalities are definitely uh, contrary to each other. Yeah. Um, and I could see that being why, I guess, they have issues. Issues. Makes sense. <laughs> uh, also, uh, Daniel Green will, uh, talks uh, about um, why why he enjoyed Marco in this book and similar sort of reasons. Uh, um, yeah, I th- there's there's so many great moments in this book. I think, that, I think that's the thing, is that... Uh, I really get the feeling that Jim Butcher is trying to share is it's like we've been away from the universe for five years, uh, not in book time, luckily, uh, but we've been away from the universe for some time and he's trying to show us everything we could want to see, uh, check in with everyone. Uh, and we really do get to check in with pretty much everyone, which is incredible. Uh, even some secondary and tertiary characters that, I really wasn't expecting to ever see again in Dresden Files. Never mind, uh, get like interactions with and stuff. People like uh, the bodyguards of the White Court and stuff that Harry's talked to in the past and uh, stuff like that. Um, <laughs> Something I really like about the series, just as a whole, like you'll have like random security guard number three from like book five or something like that, and he'll pop up in a book like like five or six books and down the line and he'll just be like yeah i've met this security guard before and he smiled at me once and i said to him nice ass and he 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 laughed at the joke and this time he didn't laugh at the joke things were definitely more serious this time yeah (laughs) that's how i knew things were getting real (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's something that um, it's a it's a really silly thing that I'd, like I realized that I enjoyed about The Simpsons, uh, particularly uh, when I was growing up. Um, so when you watch like Looney Tunes or something, if Bugs Bunny has to go and talk to like a scientist, uh, there will be a generic scientist, and it will be different each time he has to go and talk to a scientist. Uh, but 
something I always loved about The Simpsons was that Springfield always felt like, okay, so if you're going to go and talk to a scientist, you talk to Dr. Frink uh, or Professor Frink. Uh, if you're going to go and talk to a doctor, well, there's the good doctor, Dr. Hibbert, and there's the bad doctor, Dr. Nick. Um, <laughs> and like, it, it, it feels like a, a world that lives. Um, and yeah. I, I Dresden Files, to a degree, Chicago has that, that Springfield feeling, I guess, that these people have their jobs. And of course, like you go back several years later and the same guys in the same job, it, it makes sense. Um, and, and yeah, I, I like that. Um, so uh, trying to steer around peace talk spoilers. Um, it's difficult. It, it's difficult. There, there's a lot in there. One thing, uh, so so one thing that's not a big um, spoiler for Peace Talks is that during the book, Harry has a magical flu, I guess, or a magical cold. Yeah, um, go of a cold. What were your thoughts around that? It's it's called conjuritis in the book. <laughs> I really liked the name, but. I don't know, like, I, I enjoy it when it happens, but at the same time, I'm not, at least to where I'm at at the moment, I don't think it's done or served anything major to the plot, and I keep forgetting about it until it happens. I, I, that was kind kind of the same for me, is that I felt like, it felt like something that belonged more in, like, a Harry Potter book yeah. than a Dresden Files book, necessarily. But I do have a theory around it, Okay. Uh, so, conjuritis. Uh, two people talk about it in the book. One is uh, Ebenezer, uh, and one is uh, Lara Wraith. Um, and both of them basically describe it as something that kids get or younger wizards get. Yeah. Now, Harry wasn't around younger wizards, so he was never immune to it or inoculated like chicken pox or whatever. However, he now has his daughter around. Oh. So I'm wondering whether he's got conjuritis from his daughter because she's a magic user. Oh. In some way. That's that's oh. my, my big hot theory. Yeah. Um guess we'll have to wait and see. We we shall. Uh one <laughs> thing I will I would definitely say to everyone, uh looking to read peace talks um it is it is a de- definitive part one of a book again this is something touched upon in daniel green's uh video as well about it um it is not a, it's not a complete book do not expect closure um uh, it is at best you get a bit of a an end of empire strikes back like we've dealt with the immediate issue but now we're on the precipice of war uh, of some sort, um, which is kind of crazy. Um, I, I also think that the events of Peace Talks are going to lead to the Dresden Files universe changing dramatically from our universe. Yeah, I can roll with that so far. Because... Um, 
so so far it's been very much like oh okay so everything is just like like it is in 2020 in our world um it's just there's magic going on but you're a hapless human so you don't notice it fine um but the scale of stuff in peace talks is massive it's on another level and uh, i really think that that is gonna um people are gonna have to take notice i mean harry uh says this um in the book like that it is affecting too many mortals for it to just go under the radar Mm. um so i think that that'll be very interesting to see how how that goes are we gonna have like dresden go to the white house (laughs) it it would be very strange if something like the military turn up and are like we need you uh your country needs you um yeah i I don't know um the one other thing I, i would say is that one of the saddest things about this book uh, for me, is Murphy throughout it. Yeah. I, I, she sustained a lot of damage in the last book and, and as we know, the Dresden file consequences carry over and such and uh, she's recovering, but she's also getting a little bit older and her, her body will not fully recover the way that it did when she was younger. Um, and they make that very clear in the book and it is hard to see someone that Dresden cares about so much uh, so hurt. It's it's an odd one because I keep forgetting. I, I know we've addressed it in previous episodes where the, the books kind of happen in real time. Like the first one was 20 years ago and we've had one like consistently like every year to 18 months since. Um, but I... I completely forgot about the age of the characters until that scene with Murphy. And when he goes to visit Michael Carpenter and he's like, oh yeah, Michael's now in his late fifties. He's got a gray sides of hair and some, and a salt and pepper beard. Yeah. And I was like, it's, it's very strange to see time, not just on like a, across a decade, it's now across two decades, which for anyone that is you're you're a completely different person after two decades of life. Um, it's crazy to see that those effects on these characters that we've known for so long, like they they are they are changing and they are aging, and it's starting to show that Dresden's lack of aging uh, leaves him as the kind of uh, outsider, I suppose. Yeah. I, I'm really interested to see if if Dresden survives and, and if we go into later books uh, with him in one way or another, if you have, like, the Captain America-Peggy Carter kind of relationship where Dresden's like, yeah, those people around me now are, are old people and I'm still going. Um, that'd be sad it would be sad that <laughs> that would suck anyway 
Anyway. So, Um, one thing I did really like, and eh, I'm not classing it as a spoiler because it's not, I don't feel it's like a major thing, but, um, and and something I want in every book is just the dragon, Ferrofax. Like, since he appeared in, I think, book three for like a few seconds, I wanted more of him. And he was mentioned in Skin Game, like, briefly. And I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> and then, like, as soon as he appears in this book and he's just, like, sat there, like, smoke, like, flaring out of his nostrils and shit, I was like, oh, yes, this is why I'm here. So, something, so, uh, the magical community are dealing with the effect, with what's going on in Peace Talks. Uh, and there's a point where they're all kind of like, oh, this is what we're going to do. And I really, really just wanted Fairfax to be like, and I'm going to turn into a bitchin' dragon. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm hoping for in like, maybe the next Yeah, book. just this. But like, I want it to be like the biggest reveal ever. Like, Harry's just like, I don't know, minding his own business and a fucking huge dragon just flies over him, breathing fire, and he's like, and that's when I knew it was Fairfax and I uh, needed to change my underwear. <laughs> And that's when I knew things were going to get real. <laughs> real, real. <laughs> um, there is a part of it that feels like Battlegrounds is just going to be like two brothers. Uh, the movie, <laughs> the series, where it's just like, and another thing, and another thing, and another thing. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at this point. I'm expecting it to be like 400 pages of just chaos yeah i i it, i yeah i mean it's setting itself up to be it, it's definitely like looks like it's going to be a kind of like helms deep in a book kind of style where it's just a, a prolonged battle through chicago um which in fairness sounds very good so <laughs> <laughs> And then a tornado came, and that's when things really got knocked into 12th gear. (laughs) (laughs) If only they could summon all of the J. Michael Vincents. Yeah, that's what they need. That's what they need. Jesus. The one thing they couldn't beat. Mother Nature. Global warming. (laughs) There's, there's uh, 26 segments of Chicago and only 13 J. Michael Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, Jesus Christ. We, ha- we have possibly sunk to the lowest level of podcast, and that's quoting Rick and Morty, uh, but with a Dresden spin, so it's okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, give us... <laughs> Uh, And uh, now we have hit rock bottom. Uh, Let's climb to the lofty heights of academia with the Dresden Files Book Club. Um, So uh, we're now uh, still progressing with Full Moon. Full Moon. Uh, Chapters uh, 7 to 9. So last time in uh, Full Moon... Uh, we had some very, very quick chapters. Um, basically, Harry and Murphy kind of being like, 
oh yeah, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, then Harry, was, as soon as Harry got out of Murphy's car, he was like, oh, but about that honesty though, um, mm, uh, maybe I could just sort things out and Murphy doesn't have to know. It'll be fine. Uh, so then uh, Harry goes um, and tracks down a group of werewolves in an abandoned uh, department store. Um, he tries to kind of hunt them down, uh, listens to them for a little while. Um, uh, they call themselves the Alphas. Uh, they're all very young and look kind of punky uh, in their, their kind of uh, dress and stuff. And they're arguing about what to do about something else that might be hunting them or they are hunting uh, Harry tries to listen and then a much older woman uh, appears um, and says that she was followed um, and basically knows that Dresden is in the building. The alphas and the woman uh, all transform into wolves and try to attack Dresden. Uh, they do attack him, but they don't attack him with any like uh, ferocity or, or to do damage. They just disarm him and leave him on the ground. Um Murphy then um, basically bumps into Dresden. She had also had a lead about the werewolves and had shown up at the department store uh, and hadn't been entirely honest with him. Uh, so both of them kind of end up being like, okay, so now we'll be honest. Um, <laughs> and Harry says that he's going to head back to his... Uh, home uh, to do a little bit of research uh, on the Bob computer um, or uh, the worldwide school. Um, yes. That uh, is where we start uh, chapter seven. Rob, do you want to take it away? Yeah. So um, as we've just said, Harry heads back to his apartment and consults Bob the skull. Um he uses Bob's knowledge to create a stealth potion and a potion that is good for a good night, good night's sleep in a bottle, which Bob refers to as super coffee, which I think everyone wants I, yeah. at some point in their lives. Like, uh, there's not enough coffee in the world. Um, yeah, Bob, uh, Harry asks Bob about werewolves, you know, a bit more specific on information, I guess. Uh, Bob tells them about four different types of werewolves, the Hexen Wolves, Loop Guru, and humans turned into wolves by their own magic, and humans turned into wolves by someone else's magic. And I think Jim Butcher really missed out here, because there is a Loop Guru in this book, and his name is not Lou Guru. <laughs> <laughs> and I keep forgetting that's not the case. <laughs> but, um... I keep thinking yeah. Louis through. Uh... Oh my god. <laughs> it was about then. I knew it was time to leave. <laughs> um, yeah, that rolls us into chapter eight. Dresden goes to Murphy's office. He's got like a folder of all the uh, knowledge he got from Bob about werewolves. Um, he bumps into Susan Rodriguez, our favourite reporter. And um, she does her usual, you know, reporter thing of what what you're doing. Tell me. Is this on the record or off the record? Tell me. And 
Yeah, he, he gives her like the lowdown that he believes werewolves are the suspects behind the murders. Um, gives her that bit of information, and yeah. Uh, next, next up, he runs into Agent Denton from the FBI. Um, he tries to kind of apologize and make up for the scene a few a few chapters ago where one of his agents fired upon Murphy. Mm-hmm. Um, he offers to take the folder on werewolves to Murphy's office. Um, he did the whole thing of uh, like he takes the folder and Harry's like, "You you won't you won't believe it if you read it." And he he opens the folder, reads it, raises an eyebrow, looks up at him, and is like, "You serious?" <laughs> but um yeah so yeah i was to take it to murphy because as i think previously mentioned a couple of chapters ago uh murphy has internal affairs like breathing down her neck kind of keeping a close eye on her due to the events of uh, the previous book um yeah harry harry you know heads downstairs after giving denton the file calls up murphy who, who's being very straightforward, blunt, I guess. Like, she's got internal affairs in the office, and Harry's like, are they with you right now? And she's like, yes, sir, they are. Thank you very much for your help. Goodbye. Yeah. But um, he at least calls her up to get you know, confirmation that she's received the uh, file, which she has. Um, and then we bump into an FBI agent whose name has escaped me, but I... he fills Harry in on the street wolves yeah which follows us through to chapter nine where harry goes to like some kind of like i don't know how to describe it like a garage i guess yeah i think it's just like a i I, I guess for context if you're a fan of sons of anarchy the uh street wolves are are kind of described as being a biker gang kind of type of group uh, so Harry states that he's not with the police, which, you know, I guess he expects to go down well. It doesn't because they recognise him from working with the police. Um, so he, he flat out asks them if they committed the murder or not. And he's got like a whispering female voice saying, kill him, kill him. Um, so, yeah, he decides it's about time to get the F out of there which he does promptly. Um, he runs into the leader of the pack, who is... you know, he, The leader of the pack's an old old kind of wolf who's, I guess, feeling threatened that his pack aren't going to follow him unless he kills Harry. Um, so Harry and him have a bit of a confrontation, which, involved, which ends up resulting in Harry having a soul gaze with the leader, which is... A, quite interesting i think it's our second or third soul gaze of the series so far um but the the result of that is harry realizing that the way the, this guy sees it is that either harry must die or he must die um luckily harry does get away which is good for him bad for the street wars leader and yeah that's kind of where we end chapter nine Yeah. So, uh, how did you find these chapters? They're, they're quite lengthy. Yeah, like I mean, I'm annoyed anyway because, <laughs> like I've said, 
I just want to finish Peace Talks, and I had to stop reading Peace Talks to catch up with the chapters of Full Moon. Um, but I mean, one thing I've noticed is, um, it, we touched upon it maybe last week, and it's kind of what I see in a lot of reviews about Full Moon is that the pacing isn't as quick as Stormfront, and it's weird mm-hmm. because. I think when we when we brought it up the other week, we both agreed agreed that was bullshit. It's a short book, and the pacing so far has been pretty, you know, pacey. Um, but compared to say, peace talks at the moment, where it feels like it's been just non-stop for like the last thirty-four chapters, like there there would be points in this where I'm listen- I mean I'm listening to the audiobook as well, where I'd get about. 10 minutes into a 20 minute chapter and think to myself, ah, that's the logical end point for this chapter. Guess I'll go do something else. And then the chapter keeps going for another 10 minutes. So, (laughs) I mean, I don't know if that's just because I'm impatient and want to finish peace talks, or I don't know if you had that as well, Phil. Yeah. uh, So I... I think uh, going back to Full Moon now and looking at it, um, I think here is actually where we, where we start to kind of run into the problems that put people off Full Moon. Um, mm. And that's... Uh, it, it does feel a little overwritten. Yeah. Um, like the werewolves, for, uh, for instance, I feel like having four types of werewolves is um, a little too much. I feel it's... A bit... um, I know that um, all four of them kind of make some kind of appearance in this story, from what I remember. They do, yeah. But it, it feels weird that I think only two of them are really a main focus. And it, it feels a bit weird that in, in other books and stuff like that, you get mentions of like the Black Court of Vampires, the Red Court of Vampires, White Court, and it feels like none of those are one-off appearances. And even like other villains and stuff are never really one-off. Like They always have another appearance, even if it's another member of that group somewhere down the line. So it, it just hit me a bit weird earlier when it was like four kinds of werewolves listed them, and it felt like beyond maybe the lovable group of alphas, we don't really see another werewolf as an antagonist. Yeah. Um, I, it, they're quite strange because they're not really a faction. Yeah. They're more just like a, a, a an unaligned, they're like independent units, aren't they? I guess. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I and I and I just feel felt like with kind of all of the sections that we covered that um. It was just yeah, just just a little bit bloated. Uh, like there was a the whole section in the police station where Susan pops into it. Then we've got the the talk with Agent Denton. Then we've got the talk with Murphy. Then we've got the talk with the. FBI agent. It just felt like like a bit too much going on. Yeah. Uh, and some of it, maybe, 
I'm sure uh, it is necessary. I mean, I mean, all of them kind of have a bit of payoff. Um, I'm not sure that Susan needed to be there just then. Um, and I maybe, maybe would have just said, "Yeah, I checked with Mur I checked in with Murphy and uh, made sure that she had the files or something like that." Instead of actually playing that out um, in front of the camera, as it were. But I, I can understand, um, I guess. Um, and I, and I, I get that after Stormfront, uh, Jim Butcher probably wanted to develop uh, the world a little bit more and, and that sort of thing. Um, so I guess uh, going off the, the werewolf talk, uh, so we've got our four types of werewolves. Um, so what do you think of this, of, of the way that that, the werewolves are explained in the Dresden Files universe, I guess. I mean, I like it. Like the um, because what we've come across so far is the alphas are humans turned into wolves by their own magic. Is that mm -hmm. correct? Uh, I yes. Question mark. I'm not entirely sure if they're turned into wolves by their own magic or if they're turned into wolves with the help of uh, their leader. Yeah. Whose name hasn't been revealed yet, and I cannot remember it from the first time I read this book. Fair enough. I also can't remember because I know that the, and I think even Bob says it, that the uh, Lou Guru, I'm going to call it, is just kind of full, full moon hits. Um, and it just has a mindless rampage until like the sun comes up, which I think is the more traditional kind of werewolf, I guess. Yeah. But I I go ahead. Yeah, I was, I was just gonna say it's a bit of a shame. Like the werewolf stuff isn't really brought up again after this book, because I feel like having four different types of werewolves. Even even though they're not like we like we said they're not part of a faction as such, I feel f four different types opens you up to a lot of story potential with them, and it can be. I mean, I guess yeah. you can also look at it as you're kind of limited in the stories you can tell with them. It's just going to be a who done it kind of thing, but I feel there is a lot more to it that's not really explored. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I mean, they never really do the the tortured. I don't want to be a Luguru. Yeah. Kind of character like uh, Billy the werewolf and the alphas um, are present in later in the series, but they're always like, yeah, it's super cool being a werewolf, and I, and I love it. Um, it it would be kind of cool to get the, the more cursed side like we see with the vampires mm. um, yeah I mean, I'm I think it, I think it's well done in that it reflects a lot of the origins of werewolves so anyone who's not familiar uh, werewolves come from uh, French uh, fairy tales stories uh, the first kind of werewolf stories come from there uh, and then it kind of builds out Um and when Harry's talking to Bob, Bob the Skull basically explains that um, werewolves started in France uh, with peasants using magic in one way or another to essentially um, 
be able to either hunt their own food or defy the the uh, the laws of the land. And the original werewolf story, I believe, is about a werewolf that kills a king, or it's a king that is a werewolf. I'm not sure on that one. Um, but the he explains that the reason why they chose the form of a wolf was because a wolf in Europe, at least, is very much the uh, the most powerful predator that a peasant would come into contact with, mm. um, which makes makes sense. Uh, and Bob also talks about how the the same idea uh, could also be applied to wear tigers and wear buffalo and such. Um, and I think I, I really would have enjoyed in later books if the if if they'd done the the lycanthrope or wear aspect, but in with a different um creature maybe yeah. i'd like to down that route i want to know what a lugaru uh wear tiger looks like yeah that's like i think that yeah yeah that, that'd be really really cool um also i i feel like it would give mouse a really good enemy oh definitely because I, I love the idea of mouse and like a some some sort of were beast like tussling with each other <laughs> um, would be very very cool. Who knows? Uh, that could be to come in battlegrounds. Anything's yeah. possible. We might get lucky down the line, <laughs> uh, or we could at least get a, a side story or briefcases or whatever punching butcher comes up with for the third set of short stories. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So moving over to the Street Wolves. Um, what did you think of of kind of them in in the story and the way that they were described? I mean, I, I like the whole biker gang idea because it goes with that kind of. Again, my my view on biker gangs, just to be clear, is Sons of Anarchy. So. <laughs> just keep that in mind. Um, but that's something I liked about the yeah <laughs> it's what I liked about the uh, street wolves is that they've got that I don't know because they're a biker gang they they have that kind of pack mentality I guess um, and that's Definitely. a really good way of displaying it especially with the elderly I say elderly the elder mature leader whatever you want to call them and how he proves uh, that he has to kind of yeah like he has to kind of prove himself to uh remain leader i feel it's very sons of anarchy definitely definitely um yeah i like it, it's it's again one of those really nice uh, and I, i've said this so many times but the whole like uh chili and chocolate or peanut butter and jelly combination of like real world and fantastical world Okay, so werewolves. What are werewolves in the real world? What's like a pack mentality kind of uh, uh, example in humanity? And it's like, of course, there's a werewolf biker gang. That makes a hundred percent sense. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I really like that. Um, I, I'm not quite sure. I guess I guess because they're just quite feral in how they behave and such, mm. and they, they. I mean. Throughout the book, they kind of act a bit more like um, I don't know, just just very thuggish. Um, mm. 
I don't rate them as particularly great villains on the Dresden no, scale. I mean, am I? I don't. I can't remember if the Street Wars pop up again, but my kind of memory of them is, like you say, they're a bit because probably because they're a biker gang. They're associated with being a bit more thuggy, uh, reckless in nature, I suppose, compared to you know the, the other werewolves we kind of get a glimpse of. Yeah, um, I think it's explained that like the the mentality of being aware of being a wolf has kind of um, started to affect their personality and their emotions and such. Yeah. And, uh, you really see that with like how they, how they behave. I mean, uh, some of the younger members of the Street Wolves are little more than kind of slathering maniacs out for blood uh, from how they're seen. Um, yeah, uh, they they're. I think they make they make good goons. Yeah, um, definitely. That's what that's that's kind of how they used, if I remember rightly, throughout most of this book. Is they they're a good thing for Harry to uh, have physical confrontations with while he's working on the mystery uh, of what's going on. Um, yeah. Uh, cool. So. Uh, just have a little look through our notes. Um, how do you feel about the FBI? Um, um, and the way that they're acting, I guess. Um, I mean, my true feelings on it, I will leave until later down the line. But I, I don't trust Agent Denton. He seems a bit too shady for my liking. I thought the the guy coming to Harry in, in the parking lot I don't know it just I feel like Harry's very trusting in this book yeah I feel that shows throughout the first <laughs> couple actually he's a bit more naive I guess is probably the word for it yeah there's actually um, there's a really really good comment uh, in peace talks, where a character basically says to Harry that um he's manipulated things far more than he used to, um, and Harry realizes that he's done it even without noticing, just because he's so used to dealing with manipulative characters and um and uh people trying to take advantage of him. He's he he's more savvy and more streetwise to it, yeah. Uh, and I guess yeah, like right now, uh, he's not there um, at that point. So I, I guess that makes sense. Um, but yeah, we'll keep touching base with the FBI uh, as we go, um, which is a strange thing to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and finally, we've got uh, Harry's soul gaze uh, with the Street Wolves leader, where he basically sees the the pressures of leadership for for the Street Wolves. Uh, we kind of touched upon it already. I'm not sure that there's that much to say. No, like, um, like I said, we touched upon it already, but it's it's something I really enjoyed, and I I feel I know it's why I kind of unless they do pop up again, it's something that I'd like to see them pop up in either this book or fuck, even a book like 
a future book that we get maybe just because I know I feel we we get so little time with them and I feel that soul gaze is just really I know I, I feel shows that there's potentially a lot to talk about with them definitely like um I could have definitely gone for a short story about the street wolves same uh, in some form, or, or at least delving into their leader and kind of his mentality uh, and his need to kind of stay as the alpha, as it were. Yeah. Um, huh. But, uh, yeah, and I think that, that's kind of what makes them good goons, is that they, they do have a little bit of depth. They're not just... They are not just mindless uh, entirely, uh, even if they act that way. Um, yeah, so I think that's pretty much all there is to dive into here. It It's a little bit, um, it's a little bit light, um, on, like, descriptive stuff, and mo- most of the interactions are pretty light as well here. Mm. Uh, I mean, probably the, the highlight of this chapter for me was... Harry and Bob talking through the werewolves. Like Bob uh, is a particularly well written character, I think, in the in the early uh, volumes of the Dresden Files. Definitely, he's got more of a um, more of a reliance on Bob, isn't there? So he's got more more to do, I suppose. It's it's almost like James Bond visiting like Q. Yeah, uh, get with that. It's like these are the these are the tools you'll need. This is the intel that you need. Um, there's a very like Harry preparing for the mission, I guess, feel to that scene uh, that I, I really enjoy. Yeah. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to pull out, Rob? Uh, not really. I, I honestly think we've covered like everything I had in mind, at least for this week. Fair enough. Um, then, yeah, I, I think that's, that's kind of going to be us uh, for today. Um, We'll probably have more discussion around peace talks. We are talking about doing a bonus episode with just our spoiler-filled thoughts on peace talks. Uh, mm-hmm. So look out for that in the next uh, week, ten days. Um, and yeah, uh, Rob, do you want to just take us out? Yeah. Um, as always, check us out on iTunes, Spotify. Give us a cheeky review if you want. Please be nice. Um, <laughs> or at least constructive but um yeah any any feedback is good feedback because it helps us kind of get more of an idea of you know what you guys like and dislike and how to do things a lot better um so yeah uh crack open a can of coke you've been listening to the paranet podcast with your hosts rob davis and patrick Lern. thank you very much and we will see you next week for chapters 10, 11, and 12 of Full Moon. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.